Hi there and welcome to this week's edition of the Chairsnet Weekly Podcast, the independent Rangers podcast uh, made by fans for fans where the content is absolutely free. encourage you to subscribe for the pod obviously uh, if you've if you've listened before if you're a, a first time listener then please get the word out there if you've enjoyed it tell everyone that we're, we're there and we're out there and we're doing this uh, the podcast is live tonight it's uh, on the youtube uh, it is interactive you can join in the comment sections on youtube we've opened that up so if you want to get enjo- uh, involved please do but after tonight the pod will be available on a number of uh, platforms including Acast, iTunes, YouTube, Castbox, Stitcher and Spotify. So obviously a disappointing day today. The, the, don't even know where to start with it. I'll just get straight into the, the guest introductions. Uh, joining me this week we've got Stuart Reid. How are you Stuart? I'm well thank you. Uh, what did you make of the game today then? Pretty disappointing from a Rangers perspective? From a Rangers perspective, I don't even think they get started. And I think that would be the most disappointing thing for, for Rangers fans. I think given the start they've made to this season and how much was um, riding in this match in terms of putting a marker down for the rest of the season domestically, not to get out the starting blocks and to start so badly and then not manage to pick up the pace or the game thereafter, I think there are a lot of Rangers fans actually more disappointed with the um, the performance um, and the level of performance, even in the, the result, uh, you, you you would always be disappointed if you lose a game. But I do think that actually the the sort of reasons behind the loss will be more disappointing for Rangers fans than the actual two 0 scoreline. Yeah, I mean it, it. really was. It was. It was a poor day, and we'll, we'll certainly pick the bones out of it as we go on. But I, I, I just think. A real opportunity missed today, I think, and uh, I know it's early in the season and there's time to recover, but just really, really disappointing. Uh, also joining us tonight, we've got David Fraser. How are you, David? As to be expected, Colin, unfortunately, after witnessing that today, uh, I just agree with yourself and Stuart's comments. It's a pure day at the office and uh, I'm sure we'll go through the whys and wherefores during the show. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, the, the thing I felt today watching it, uh, I was there in the, in the governing year as usual with my boy. It, it kind of felt like a, a Pedro Cachina team and <laughs> performance. But the difference was we weren't up against Brendan Rodgers, you know what I mean? We're up against Neil Lennon's team here and they're a team that's been wobbling of late and so in not really have a go at it, I, I felt... Was was disappointing. Uh, so I, I think the first place we should really start, Stuart, is the the, the starting eleven. Uh, so uh, I think everybody raised their eyebrows when we. The, the, I certainly did when I saw the team. Uh, Kamara was back in. Uh, Defoe was in uh, ahead of Morelos. Aribo uh, was moved uh, up to the front three. I, I felt it narrowed Rangers, you know, because Arfield tends to play one in as well. So. I, I, I was talking before we came on air that you know it it gets all managers sort of get the 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 the, the plaudits when their decisions come off. You know, as I said, a lot of people raised eyebrows when uh, the team was was read out. You would have to say based on the the result, but more so, I think the performance. He's got it wrong on this occasion. I think Stephen. No. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think the, there's a. If you look on social media at the teams that uh, or the Rangers team that most of the the the, the punters expected to perform today, um, I don't think anybody picked the team that Stephen Gerrard picked, and I, I do think when it's your first home match, um, you know I, I I worked in newspapers when the most pragmatic of pragmatic Rangers managers, uh, namely Walter Smith, was in charge. 
and and he would put all sorts of teams out to get a result, but he knew that at times you had to play to your positives, and I don't think Steven Gerrard set his team up to play to the positives that we'd actually seen this season from Rangers. I think a great many people thought with the way that Celtic had had, had played this far into the season that Jordan Jones might actually get a start in the game to give Rangers that bit of width and given the success that Rangers had had last season um, with the likes of Ryan Kent playing against Celtic and for him not to start with a, an out-and-out winger, I think that was the biggest surprise for a great many people was that you didn't try to do anything to exploit the perceived weaknesses in the Celtic team by by not playing playing a winger. And, you know, you can shuffle guys around in the midfield, but I, I do think that if you are going to, to narrow the pitch and you're going to play without any any width, then you've got to have your, your game pretty much switched on um, from from the off. And, and Rangers actually looked as if they were struggling to come to terms with the actual formation that they were playing. And, and that cost them, ultimately that cost them, because when you were actually trying to hit Celtic, maybe from the off, there was no nothing coming. Celtic were winning, you know, the tackles, the easy challenges. They weren't put on under any pressure and actually grew into the game where, I, I, you know, again, a great many Celtic fans would have thought that, that some of Celtic's frailties and weaknesses might be exposed by a, a rampant Rangers side, but it just didn't turn up. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to disagree with, Anything you've said there, sure. I, I, it, it was just a, a bit of a puzzler, and I don't, I don't want to lump it all in Gerard. I mean, a, a lot of players didn't turn up today, but it, it, it's just really, really disappointing. But I also it, think, also think that, and and this, this is this is something that is he, he's the only guy that can make this call. I think actually, when you play Flanagan at left back, you immediately narrow the game because. Actually, down, down, down the Rangers left, if you like, Celtic's best line of defence was actually Flanagan having the ball because he has to stop. He doesn't see anybody in front of him. He has to stop and come back inside on his right foot. And as soon as he does that, Celtic get beyond the ball and regroup. And and that was a problem then because instead of actually maybe, maybe being, say, four and four, all of a sudden Rangers were finding themselves up against two banks of four with Celtic and that is difficult to break down so I, again I think I, I don't know what Rangers might do given the fact they've got a, a left back who's perfectly seems perfectly capable to me and is left sided naturally I think not to play him was something that actually cost Rangers um, actually down the left hand side um, and, and, and made it easy for Celtic to defend anything that Rangers tried to do on that side of the pitch David, the, the, I mean, I'm seeing a comment here coming back to me. I said Celtic had wobbled a bit, and he's Donald Moffat, who I suspect is not a Rangers supporter, has said, eh, apart from the CL exit, they've, they've won well. But, I mean, there's no doubt they've had a really bad couple of weeks. They conceded four goals against Cluj in the Champions League. You know, the, the, this defence that they've got, I mean, I, I've, I listened to a, a Celtic podcast last week, and that's all they were talking about. I think we all except that Celtic can score goals. They're, you know, they're a threat going forward. But there's this big question mark about them defensively. And it just seems to me that, you know, the selected lineup that, that Gerard went with, it, it seemed to let that big question mark around their uh, defence go unchecked. You know, we, we, it, felt, it felt like we let them off the hook, actually. Yeah, I would agree. When I, when I saw the, the, the starting lineup, I was like yourselves, I was... I was surprised um, at the omission of Alfredo Morelos, who Stephen Gerrard more often than not tells us all that he's, if not the best player at the club, he's certainly one of them. Um, but when I saw the, the, the team lining up actually on the pitch and where um, Joe Aribo took up position, where Scott Arfield took up position, I thought to myself, this is bold tactics from, from Stephen Gerrard to, to go through the middle. Uh, of the of Celtic defence and, and Lee, it's basically surrender the sides of the pitch. Now, you could say, well, you know, Tavernier offers something on the right-hand side, but Stuart's you know, elaborated on at length with regards to the left-hand side. You know, there's not much coming from the left-hand side. It's a lot to ask of James Tavernier, but yeah, but you say, it was, it was, it was defensive, a perceived defensive frailties there that we didn't seem to 
exposed, but um, I don't know what the, what the thinking was. Um, did he think that, that, that Joe Arrivo was, was going to be the player that would break in between the lines uh, and attack at the, the centre of the, the Celtic defence? I don't know. Did he expect Scott Arfield to get close to Jermaine Defoe and play one-twos and try and play Jermaine Defoe in? as he's done in the past, possibly, but it just didn't seem to come off. But the overwhelming thing for me, and I'm not making excuses for Steven Gerrard or the players, I, I thought that the the magnitude of the game, given that you know we really didn't want to, certainly, we certainly didn't want to lose it, but we obviously wanted to go into the game and win it. But I think two games uh, of the magnitude of the Lega Warsaw game and obviously an old firm game in the space of 48 hours was... Oh, 40 hours in between the two games was, was maybe uh, a bit much for the players, especially the, the, the level of player that the Rangers have in the squad. Because you look at who came into the starting lineup today, um, maybe you know, maybe today's result will, will let Stephen know that the, the, the what he possibly thought was you know a, a, an increase in the depth of the Rangers squad maybe isn't it there. But sorry, I mean, sure. sorry, just 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 to just to counter that. I mean, if you are feeling tired, having played ninety minutes against Liga Warsaw on Thursday night, and you are struggling to get yourself up for an old firm game, I don't think that's anything to do with your fitness level. I think that's psychological, and, and I honestly think that that if Rangers are or certain Rangers players are, are thinking that this is going to be difficult simply because we played a game on a Thursday night, then, uh, uh, you know, I think you're almost in need of either speaking to a senior player or a sports psychologist or somebody who has done it previously with the, the club at that level. I'll go back to Rangers beating Leeds um, at Ellen Road on a Wednesday night and then beating Celtic again on the Saturday in an old firm game, same same uh, span between the two matches, and they picked themselves up. So is it down to the quality of the player? Is it oh, down to the quality? But well, maybe 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 it is down to the quality of the player. But the fact of the matter is that I would have to say the Celtic team that was there today wasn't of the same quality as the one that, that, that played twenty six or twenty seven seven years ago. And, and and again, I do wonder about the psychology or the the mindset of some of the players believing that, well, we played in Thursday, therefore we're going to feel tired, rather than saying, that's one game out of the way, let's get let's get stuck into the next one. And in, in the midfield as well, I, I noticed today, Rangers didn't really get going until Scott Arfield made a tackle. And there was a, it was almost a 50-50 ball between um, Scott Brown and, and Aribo. And Aribo just didn't look interested in tackling Scott Brown. Now, if, if that's the way he plays the game, fine. But if you want to put a marker down against your, your biggest opponents and against the opposition captain, that is a ball that you go for full-blooded and love with the consequences, be it you know, a yellow card or a warning or whatever it is. And he, and he, and he tried to dink the ball past him or, or, or wasn't interested in getting there first. And that, for me would have been worrying as a, you know, if I was sitting in the, the sidelines or, or was playing in that team, that sort of approach would have been worrying for me because then you actually start to question one or two players and their desire. It is not just a, another game. It's a game where you could actually gain a three-point advantage over Celtic this early on in the season. And for me, in the long run, that could be quite important. Is there maybe, you know... A- for long periods of the game today, it felt to me, it felt very similar to the semi-final against Aberdeen last season uh, in, the, in the League Cup, uh, where Rangers lost 1-0. So it seems to me like when we beat Celtic last season in December, the 29th of December, I think it was, we were behind and we had to win to, to you know, to go within three points of them. So we were the, the underdogs. When we beat them in uh, May there, the league was already won. You know, and there seems to me to be a trend of whenever there's expectation on these players, it's not hope, you know, in, in the European setup, we're, we're doing really well because that's a hopeful arena for us. We're, we're not expected to win the Europa League. So there's a certain amount of freedom in how the players are playing, you yeah. know, and there's, there's no pressure on them. But I can, uh, see, I, can, I can see that 
and, and what you're saying, I, I, I can buy into that, that Rangers playing in Europe have, have over, overperformed, they've punched way above their weight, especially, especially in the last tie against Legia, who are, who are a good team, and Rangers managed to beat them over, over two legs. But I, I, I mean, I've I tweeted something uh, after the first half at halftime that if you looked in the Rangers dugout, you could have half expected to see either Graham Murphy, Pedro Cashina, or Mark Warburton sitting there because that was a that was such an un Gerard like performance from Rangers, and I don't know whether he instilled that negativity because he changed the the formation and I changed the approach, or whether this was just just Rangers almost like not being able to pick themselves up for this game. And and again, they've got a couple of weeks to sort it out before they play their next league match. But the fact of the matter is, and arguably their, their most important game domestically of the season, they were really found wanting. David, do you think there's an issue with the mentality of the players? Because that, that, that that's something that's crossed me. I mean, when... Oh, sorry, it's crossed my mind. When, it's, when we're the underdog and we're written off, we always seem to raise our game. When there's an expectation there, you know, there was a feeling there today that we were going to win that game. You know, it was at home, and and that since this situation's been created with the the away support only getting 800 tickets or whatever, that's the way the old firm games have went. The home team has won. Today was the first time that Rangers had a real opportunity to put in a statement against Celtic. You know, this time last season. We went over to Celtic Park. We'd already dropped four points against Aberdeen and Motherwell, and then we lost at Celtic Park. And four games in, and we're seven points behind. Today, if we'd have won at the same stage of the season, we'd have been three points ahead. You know what I mean? And that'd have been a huge statement to make. And you know, in, in terms of how far we've come. But yeah, again, when there's that sense of expectation, and I know I, I do think Gerard got it wrong today. Uh, but I do sometimes wonder about the mentality of some players uh, at Ibrox at the moment. I think you've got to, you've got to say that yes, you, you know that the question mark over players' mentality still is there and is still valid. Um, I, I still go back to I, I don't think the players... Um, I, I've got question marks over whether they're good enough. And I'm not just... I'm not, I'm not getting carried away on the back of one bad result. I think, I think Rangers have... Rangers, with the exception of possibly um, the first leg against Michelin, where... They played well. They had a shaky 10-minute uh, period where they allowed Michelin to score two goals. Um, but for the most of the season, the, the, the Rangers haven't really been firing in all cylinders. They've been kind of, without resorting to cliches, they've been kind of winning ugly. I mean, it, it, it took a, a last-minute winner against Kilmarnock at Rugby Park. It took a set-piece last Sunday at Greenhill Road to, to beat St Myrne. Um, they came through a tough game against a, a well-organised Legia team, uh, and I would say deservedly, notched a, a winner and went through. Um, but I look today, um, Glenn Kamara. Uh, he obviously came back in the starting lineup, um, having watched the Legia game on Thursday. I wasn't surprised by that. I thought that Scott Arfield may well have dropped out, but you know he, he's. He's heavily reliant on Scott Arfield. Don't forget, he's played for uh, Canada in the Gold Cup during the, the closed season. So I would say he badly needs a rest, both both physically and mentally. James Tavernier again, he's tasked with a big responsibility to drive the team forward. I mean, people that listen to this podcast must be fed up hearing me saying that because, you know, I, I repeat it often. He, James Tavernier plays a major part in driving that Rangers team forward. He's off form just now. A lot of his passes go wayward. His crossings maybe not quite on the money. Although he has set up a couple of goals for Alfie this season. Um, Stephen Davis in the second half looked, you know, in the latter part of the second half, looks as if he, he was running in the sand. Uh, aye, the, the, the mentality can be questioned, but Stuart's saying there, you know, it's... It's all very well pointing the finger at them and you know saying, well, if, if they need to get themselves up for an all-firm game, you've, you know, you should be worried. I agree with that, but I think you've got to temper that with the, with the quality of play that Rangers have brought. I think Joe Rebo, don't forget, came for the third-level English football. That's a big step up for him. 
to be playing against Lega Warsaw and then playing against Celtic and be expected to be one of the main men in the pitch. Um, she Ojo, you know, he, he looked very much like a, a Liverpool academy player today. Um, didn't he seem all that assured in what he was doing? Uh, some of his decision making isn't the greatest, and, and given that the fact that he's 22 and no 19 or 20, you know, you've got to question whether he's going to make it long term in football at a high level, never mind at Rangers. So, I think that today was was uh, down to earth for a bump. You know, Thursday night was a good result, a very important result to get into the Europa League group stages, but today was an opportunity missed. I would tend to agree with you. But uh, uh, just just the point you make, uh, and it's to maybe maybe move on slightly. If the likes of Arfield and Davis were looking a bit jaded later on in the game, I think that was because of how much work they had to do just by the just by the way that Rangers had actually lined up. Because if if you if you're playing everything through the middle, there is not an out ball for you where you can just ping the ball out wide and say here. You know, to, to Tavernier or Jordan Jones or or to somebody on the left hand side, and say you take it for a walk for thirty seconds and give us a breather because you are involved in the game all the way through, and and I do wonder if if that tactically as well actually caused Rangers problems because of the fatigue of having come off a big game um, on on Thursday night and it was a big game it was. It was a, a really intense 90 minutes. I know Rangers won it in 90 minutes without extra time or anything like that, but it was a, a really intense 90 minutes that they had to play. And I do wonder whether they, there was tactically Rangers had any any space um, wide where normally you could have given yourself another opportunity because everything was getting played through the three guys in the middle. It, it just made it a very... A very difficult day for them um, in terms of in terms of energy levels and in terms of especially later on fatigue. I think you've got to, you've got to factor in the, the point that, that Jermaine Defoe playing up front. You know, a lot of the time when the ball was played up to him, you know, the ball wasn't sticking Stuart. So I think that would possibly contribute to you know premature exhaustion with players like Stephen Davis and Scott Arfield, as you said. Oh, it was coming, it was it was coming straight back at times, wasn't it? I mean, it was it was it was getting pinged up there, and it, it wasn't being held up. And 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 again, uh, you, you'd have to give credit where credit was due. The 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 two holding midfield players that Celtic had did did a real number um, today. And, and not giving anything away. It was a simple ball. It was a simple pass. It was clearing up what little mess there was to clear up at times and, and, and playing the percentage game. And at home, I don't think that Rangers could just play the percentage game because it, they were expected to win because they started favourites. The issue in the middle of the park, uh, Stuart, now I think most Rangers fans would agree that the sort of strongest midfield three this season has been Aribo, Jack and Davis. And uh, it just seemed an odd game, in my opinion anyway, to move Aribo further up the the, the, the park and reintroduce Kamara. I, I, I'm still actually struggling to understand why Gerard would have done that today. As I touched upon earlier on, I think actually it took Rangers, the Rangers players' time to adapt to what the what they've been presented with in terms of the formation or in terms of the line out, uh, sorry, the, the lineup or in terms of the the um, how they were how they were actually going to take the game to Celtic. I, I, again, you're looking you're looking for an out ball, not just to relieve pressure but also to take take your game forward. And I don't think that out ball was necessarily there. The point is that David made there about about Jermaine Defoe not holding the ball up as well as he could. Absolutely spot on with that. I think too often Rangers went onto the front foot and suddenly were on their heels again as the ball disappeared behind them. But I, I, I just think that Rangers looked like strangers for the first for the first twenty minutes, maybe even longer in that first half because they just couldn't get themselves set in the formation that they were supposed to be playing. And again, that's that's a gamble managers take. Sometimes it pays off for you. But I think that Stephen Gerrard's coming under the scrutiny today because for the first time this season, he's actually got it wrong. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, David, we, we did take 
forever to get into the game. And, and I would argue that we never really did convincingly at any stage. But it, um, for a few minutes before Celtic got that first goal, it, it felt like it was coming. And it came from uh, a really sloppy uh, but, a, but a play from Connor Goldson. Now, see the minute he, he, he made that pass, the thing that went through my head straight away was Tav doing something similar at Celtic Park last season when he was shot a shot with a pass back towards Goldson that, that allowed Celtic to get in, and I think it was Forrest that scored. You know, there's there's a couple of comments again on the YouTube channel uh, in the comment section here about you know maybe giving. Goldson a break and giving Herlanda a run in the team. Would would you agree with that? Because I think Katic at the moment looks solid. You know what I mean? If any of, the, of those centre two, uh, the, sorry, the centre half pairing has to go, to me it would be Goldson. I guess you could make a case for that. Um, don't forget, I mean, Connor Goldson's played a lot of football in a, a relatively short period of time in his career duration. Um, obviously, coming back from his, from his heart issues. Uh, would, would he be dropped? Possibly. Um, I, personally, I, I, I don't think that, that Steven Gerrard will drop him. Um, he may have an opportunity to give it in the next league game against Livingston at Ibrox to, to possibly shuffle his pack at the back. Uh, would Philip Hollander come in? Possibly. Um, that would that would mean moving Katic to the opposite side of the defence for where he's normally, he normally plays. Could George Edmondson come in? Uh, possibly, but I, you'd obviously you've got to think that, that given that they've spent three million pounds on Hollander, that he would be the first first guy to, to fill any 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 voids in the, the back line. Mm-hmm. Um, Connor Goldson today, uh, his distribution was was pretty poor. Uh, that giving the ball away in the manner that he did for for their first goal was was pretty bad. Um, he did stop a, what would have probably been a a shooter fired goal in the second half, it's going to be said. Uh, but he slid the ball at McGregor's near post coming to the, the main stand side. Um, I, guess, I guess you, you could make a case for, for giving him a, a rest, uh, Colin, but I, I'm not so sure that, that, that Stephen's uh, predisposed to that. I think Conor Ghost is one of the first names in Stephen Gerrard's team sheet, I'm afraid. But you hark back to the, 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 the point again, you know, Everybody could say that for somebody to score a goal, somebody's got to make a mistake. So if you if you eliminate the mistakes and the errors, then you give yourself a better chance. And I think again, the, the, what you've said there about you know various other games, old firm matches that Rangers have lost by being in it, maybe not particularly playing well, but but not looking as if they're actually going to concede a goal. To suddenly start to to concede a goal having made a mistake, if if you eliminate those errors. Which, which you can do. You just you just keep, you know, you maintain your level of play. You, you keep yourself switched on. You know, it's 110% concentration all the way through. And I, and I just think that was almost a, a throwback to what Rangers have done in the last three, four, maybe even five seasons um, in, in important matches. It's actually the opposition hasn't had to play particularly well to earn an opportunity to score a goal. Rangers have almost given that up. And again, that in, a, in such a big match today, for me, would have been slightly slightly worrying um, because you're only asking guys to do their job. To make that one mistake and for Celtic to score off it, 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 it if anything, it actually shows how, how efficient Celtic actually are because it wasn't as if they were ripping Rangers apart for the, you know, the half hour up until that point in time. Well, but to me, that's one of the most frustrating things. Celtic have came to Ibrox and won 2 nothing, and they didn't actually, they didn't play well at all. I, I mean, it was a horrific game of football to watch. It was not entertaining in any way whatsoever. And I'm not just saying that because we got beat. It was properly turgid stuff at times. Uh, and it just felt like Celtic, it, it really does feel like we've gifted them three points a day because it was, it was not a strong... Celtic performance in terms of the runners ragged or anything like that. It just felt that Rangers were so so sloppy that that Celtic have took advantage. They were a wee bit cuter, a wee bit cleverer in what they were doing. But they certainly, I didn't look at that team in the same sort of way that I've looked at Brendan Rodgers' team, for example, when they've came to Ibrox in recent years and thought, oh my God, we are way behind these guys. 
wasn't like that at all the today for me. It, it just felt like Rangers were so poor that, that, that we've handed the points to them. But the, the, the point I'm going to come to now, David, is you know we get to half time now. We've, we've seen a number of occasions with, with Stephen Gerrard's uh, Rangers side that you know I've heard them say in his post match comments after it that you know the first half was sloppy. I had to get a reaction. And then he's got that in the second half. You know, he's got them in at half time, sorted things out, exchanged words, and, and got the reaction he's looking for. That didn't happen today. The substitution that he made, I think everyone felt he had to had to make a change. The the, the introduction uh, of Ojo uh, surprised me. How did how did you feel about that? Well, yourself, I was surprised. I, I fully expected Jordan Jones to come on, um, but. Again, it seems to favour Shea Ojo. Uh, I've been discussing uh, Shea Ojo and what uh, fans think that Gerard thinks that he brings to the team. Uh, and quite a few of my fellow Bears are, are at a loss. Uh, I've uh, posited that I think Gerard might consider him to be more of a goal threat than, than maybe Jordan Jones. Um I see Ojo looked very, very poor today. Uh, he looked like a rabbit caught in the headlights. His decision-making is patchy at best. Um, sometimes uh, when he, he should pass the ball, he hangs on to it and vice versa. Um, sometimes he, his touch, uh, his basic stuff, like, like, like bringing the ball under control in tight areas, he, he, he almost looks as if he's maybe lacking in, in concentration. Um, he's 22 years of age, so you can't kind of just say uh, he's a young lad. He's still, he's, he's probably still young in terms of how many um, first team competitive fixtures the guy might have completed. But he's he's getting to the age now where he should be starting to make an impact. And unfortunately, uh, today just wasn't his day. It wasn't alone in that. There were several uh, debutants in the Rangers team, i.e. Joe Aribo. Um, the game passed him by largely. Uh, um, but Ojo, did he, did he do enough? No, I would say no. I, I don't want to be, be, go, go overboard in the criticism of him, but he, he looked every inch a Liverpool Academy player today, I'm afraid, Colin. Stuart, Stuart the, 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 I, would, I would tend to agree with David there. Now, the, yeah. we've made a few signings in the summer there, and it, it felt like we were just signing loads of wingers, but, you know... Ojo sort of failed to have an impact today. Uh, I believe Hasty's away in loan now. Jones is suspended for the forthcoming games, and it looks like he might have actually given himself a bad injury with that tackle, which we'll, we'll cover uh, later on. So he could be out for a while. The other options there, like say Arfield, they're a bit narrow. Are, are Rangers now looking like they're, they're a team that lacks width now? Uh, yeah, actually. And, and I think, you know... Over, over the last couple of seasons, Tavernier has been a, a, the guy that's given Rangers the width down the right, whether he's a, had a winger in front of him or whether he's done it on his own. I think down the left-hand side, as it was highlighted today that Rangers just didn't carry much of a much of a threat. I think that Steven Gerrard isn't the kind of guy who's going to panic and therefore you believe that decisions that he makes at half-time is, is done through you know, sort of clarity of thought. So therefore, he thought that Ojo was a better option than, than putting Jones on into that environment. How Ojo get 25 minutes more than Jones, I think that's probably beyond me. I, I, honestly, if you were going to make a substitution, you, you stick one on at half time and put the other one on 10 minutes later. You don't wait for 25 minutes to wait and see whether he's going to make a difference. The Defoe and Morella situation, that's swapping like for like. So, so you're looking for a change to come elsewhere in the pitch. And, you know, and Aribo just hadn't, he just didn't cut it in so many ways. And I, I would have thought, actually, if, if he'd gone and made a double substitution at halftime and putting Ojo and Jones on, I would have said, yeah, that's that's him trying to really spark a reaction. But to just to, to, to give Ojo... Um, you know, 25 minutes more than Jones, who didn't, you know, exactly cover himself in glory later on. But I still think potentially he would have been a bigger threat, especially running at certain individuals within the Celtic defence. 
you're not going to do that in the last 20 minutes, especially when you're actually chasing the game. And and I know you could say, well, the situation after 70 minutes was the same as it was at halftime with Rangers a goal behind. But the fact of the matter is that you, you're giving yourself that bit longer to play your way into the game and also to give Celtic something to worry about. And I don't think Celtic were worried in the slightest today. No, no, I, I, I think they, they, they actually had to pinch themselves at times to to understand how easy we were making it for them. Uh, David, obviously, towards the end, chasing the game, we got caught out. And I think it sort of sums up the the, the, the whole mood and the feeling of the day that, you know, Johnny Hayes, an absolute third-rate sort of Celtic player who's struggled to get into that team since he signed for them, uh, is the guy that gets the second goal, 2 nothing, uh game's over. The only sort of thing that was, was left after that was a tackle by... Jordan Jones, I don't think there's much complaint, really. It was a, it was a, it was a pretty, a, it was a bad one, really, wasn't it? Most definitely, I think, um, I think Jordan Jones should be embarrassed by that. I don't think it was needless. Um, as you've alluded to, if he's if he's inadvertently injured himself in the process, then you know, hell mend him. That, that's it was a, a moment of I mean, you, you could excuse. Um, for being frustrated up to a point, but the player, the Celtic player, wasn't going anywhere. The game was done. Um, I, I really, I was, you know, dumbfounded at the amount of fans who were clapping. Jordan Jones as he went off the pitch, as if you know, how we go. Well, at least we, we left our mark on somebody. That kind of mindset, you know, totally, totally mindless. Um, and he can have no complaints. I think the manager in his post-match comments uh, basically said the same thing. You know, it was a red card all day long, and we've uh, got absolutely no complaints about that. I think it's quite worrying that he left Ibrox today in crutches. You know, what I mean, it's and it adds to the sort of indignity of the whole day, really. You know, aye. Well, he, as you've mentioned the other Jake Hasty, I, I think. Uh, Stephen Gerrard mentioned on Friday in his press conference um, that they was talking possibly down to Rotherham United. Um, whether in light of uh, Jones' suspected injury, whether that may well be called off, I'm not too sure. Um, Brandon Barker apparently picked up a, a, a knock um, recently. So, uh, it's, it's you guys have been mentioned there, are we a bit... Are a bit threadbare in the wide areas, possibly. You know, are we looking to, to look to like Sir Greg Stewart to, to come in and, and fill these kind of these kind of gaps in the next few games? It all remains to be seen. But but Jordan Jones didn't do himself any favour after after putting a lovely ball on Alfie's head on Thursday night. He goes and does that. Um, it just it was a, a moment of madness. The red mist came down, and he he's, he's done himself no favours. Uh, best a uh, mixed week then for Jordan Jones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's one. He, he's one. Of, I used to do a thing called hots and knots, and he, he's he's one of these guys that would actually appear in both columns for for, for very different reasons. Yeah, aye. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was some ball on Wednesday. And I think we should we should move. Uh, sorry, Thursday. I think we should move on to Thursday now. I think we've covered the the game today uh, pretty much as 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 we can. Uh, so we'll move on to Thursday night, Stuart. I, I, uh, I was there in my, in my seat as usual. Uh, again, a, a, a nervy night, uh, but a memorable one just be, just because of that that last minute winner. I mean, the the roof came off the place when the, uh, when Alfie scored that winner. Yeah, I mean, listen, Stephen Gerrard could could have a part time job in one of the peers in Blackpool doing fortune telling, couldn't he? Um, over the next couple of weeks and months, because he called it, he said that it was going to be a difficult tie and it would go right to the wire, and he was absolutely spot on. And after the first leg, the nil nil game, um, you know, I, I I I said in social media myself that you know Rangers Rangers had taken a huge step towards qualification for the group stages, but it was it was going to take a, a real performance, a real performance of, you know, diligence and and concentration. And and they managed that. They did achieve that. And I mean, you know, you've we've said various things about today. I, I do wonder whether Rangers were actually mentally tired after Thursday night, the amount of concentration that they had to put in that game as well. But it was it was a, a great performance regardless of 
what kind of generation you might belong to and remembering memorable nights at, at Ibrox. It was a, a, a dramatic conclusion to, to the game with Morella scoring the, the, the goal. I, I'm still not convinced he's the, the best header of a ball that I've ever seen, but he managed to get that one in target. And again, you know, last year, I think it was the Rangers were the only seven teams had come from the first uh, round of qualifying to reach the group stages. And now Steven Gerrard has done it twice uh, in a row, two years in succession, which is a, an amazing achievement given that the seedings and the draws are against you. And it's so early on in the season for, for Scottish clubs as well. So, you know, whereas he's been maybe lambasted today, I think you have to give praise where it's deserved and, and what he's what he's achieved over those eight ties um, is nothing short of a miracle, to be honest. And and not just this season, including last season as well. He's put Rangers in a, in a place where, honestly, you, you did wonder at times if Rangers would ever get back to that stage and he's managed it in consecutive years. So well done to him. That's the point I was about to come to, David. Uh, you know, I think it's 16 ties in total Gerrard's had in these qualifying games. It, and Rangers haven't been behind for a single second during, you know, all 16 of them. So, I mean, as, as Stuart's pointed out, he's took a bit of stick today and domestically he's, he's got it wrong, but he seems to have these European games. Uh, he seems to know how to operate in that arena. Most definitely. Um, tactically, I would say he's, he's proved that. He knows what he's doing. I mean, it, the, the overwhelming thing I've taken away from the, the the European campaign thus far is that it, I'd like to see Stephen Gerrard with some money to play with on the transfer market. I mean, can, can you imagine what we could be like if he could sign players? Um, I, 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 I take my hat off to him. He, he certainly, he's, how many his staff you certainly know how to set the team up tactically. I mean, it, 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 on Thursday night there, he did the right thing. They played it cagey because he knew if, if Lega could, you know, maybe nick a goal in the break. Not that, not that Lega necessarily been a free-scoring team this season, um, but there was all, always a chance because of the away goal that they, they could, one goal could put us right behind the eight ball. So they played it relatively cagey. Um, I thought a number of players were outstanding, namely... Nikola Katic and Ryan Jack uh, to pick out two. Um, but the whole team were good. They were diligent, as Stuart made mention of. That they were concentrated uh, and they played really, really well. Um, yeah, Gerard's record, I mean, it's, it's got your head scratching a wee bit when you think he performed so well there. Well, tactically. You know, from a tactical perspective on Thursday night there. And then it, it seems to, I don't know, I don't know what it is. Is, is there a mental block? Is he, does he think that the players, does he overestimate their, their capabilities in, in, in such a short turnaround with games domestically? Because I, I cast my mind back 12 months that, you know, after the UFA game, where, you know, we, we, we managed to come through uh, some obstacles given that, that, that two players were sent off in that away tie. Um, to qualify for the group stages last season that we, we obviously went to Parkhead in the following league game and, and we tended to come on stock there tactically as well. We, we, we seemed to surrender impetus to Celtic in the first half of that game. Um, we've, we've done similarly again today. So that, that's a bit of a head scratch. I mean, and it'll be, it'll be probably thinking themselves, you know, did I do the right thing? Did we, did, you know, did I, did I, you know, place too much faith in certain players? Did I... I asked too much of them. I mean, Stuart's mentioned there about the formation, about Joe Aribo, you know, taking a, a while to get used to what was, was being asked of them in terms of a formation in the first 20, 25 minutes of the first half today. So it's a strange one, but in terms of the European arena, um, certainly thus far, I mean, it's, to, to not be behind in any of these games, is the record's tremendous. It should be, it should be rightly proud of it, and the players too. Sure, as, as as you mentioned earlier on, there you sort of alluded to the fact that there was there was a time uh, during this journey coming back up the divisions and stuff like that that you did actually wonder if Rangers would perform in this sort of arena again. That the financial sort of 
boost that we get from getting into the group stage. Now, I know it's not the Champions League and it's, it's not the, the same level of sort of turnover you would get if you were in the, the, the big one. But how important to that is Rangers as they try and continue this journey? You, you would like, I mean, I, mean I, have, I have absolutely no doubt that there are certain players at Ibrox just now who would have been attracted to play for Rangers for a number of reasons. One, you're getting to work with Steven Gerrard. Two, you're getting to play in front of a full house, um, you know, every other, every other weekend. And thirdly, you have European football. Now, it's not guaranteed that you're going to get into the group stages, but you will experience European football. And we know what one or two of the comments from south of the border were when Aribo was signed, oh, he could have been playing in the championship, that and that, you know, and, and how many ties are Rangers going to play in Europe? Well, actually, they've played eight this far and they're going to play another six, whether you like it or not. So that's quite an achievement. And I do think that's part of, that's part of the enticement to come and play for Rangers is that we've got a good chance of doing well um, on, the, on the European stage. Now, that option wasn't open to, to previous managers because there was no guarantee. And I know you have to win eight ties before you get to the, the group stages, but it still is a big carrot to dangle in front of certain guys. That you, And especially when you're going to have three nights at Ibrox where the place is going to be absolutely rocking. Um, I, I, and again, I think just now that going forward, that will continue to be an attraction for certain players who are coming from a certain level or a certain background to actually get a chance to play in European competition. So it, financially, it's probably worth buttons compared to what the Champions League is worth. But I think in terms of kudos, it is definitely something that Rangers now have. And, and again, that is something that Rangers have over, other than Celtic, you know, this season... Um, that that is something that they've got over every other club in the league, and that can only be a good thing for Steven Gerrard as he tries to, you know, as he tries to attract players to the club. Uh, David, the, the draw on Thursday there, we've, we've been paired with Porto, Feyenoord, and Young Boys. Uh, I mean, I, I, I was delighted watching the draw, you know, because you know, again, it, when you were down there playing, you know. Beric Rangers and all that kind of thing in the in, in, in the journey. Uh, you did wonder if these kind of teams would come back again. And I've, I've, I've had beef with Porto and Feyenoord before. I know we played young boys in the 70s, but I wasn't there that night. Uh, how do you rate our chances of qualifying? Um, well, before I answer that, I, I would like to um, add to Stuart's comments in the last question. It's important in terms of satisfying Steven Gerrard's level of ambition in European football. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's all very well winning the Scottish Premier League, but proving yourself in the European arena has got to be a massive carrot to Steven Gerrard, the manager, as well. I think that's important to, to bear that in mind. But as regards to our chances of getting out of the group, I think it's very much a, a similar situation to this time last season, Colin. I can remember we did a pod on the back of qualifying for the the group stage last season and I was very much upbeat. I thought that, you know, we we've with a chance of getting out of that group. Obviously we, we fell short. Um I think we, we we largely shot ourselves in the foot, probably more so in Moscow than Vienna. Um I think the two Moscow games were uh, key in it. Definitely, certainly. Um uh, but I think you could view that this group very much in a similar vein to Last season, it's, it's it looks very much like a you know a kind of diet Champions League group. You know, you've got Porto, um, perennial participants in the Champions League group stages. Obviously, they've, you know, they're not in the competition this season. Feyenoord, not so much of late, but you know they've got extensive Champions League experience. I think young boys have, have made a an appearance in the, the Champions League, or certainly the, the qualifiers uh, in the last number of years as well. So yeah, it's. It represents a good challenge to the to the players. Um, when you you know go into these games in tandem with a game in the Premier League on the Sunday, then it's it's definitely going to represent a challenge. Um, can we get out of it? 
I'm, you know, me, Connor. I'm, despite, you know, trying to be pragmatic, I, I, I'm always trying to be optimistic with regards to our chances. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's all very well saying, you know, we've got to temper our levels of ambition and all that, but we're still Rangers. And, and, and if we lose, you know, that, that mindset that we're still Rangers, despite all our, our trials and tribulations, and, yeah, we might be underdogs in terms of the, the financial muscle that we can flex given the, the Sports Direct ongoing situation. I think it's important to still maintain the mindset that we're still a big club uh, and we, we should be competing at that level. I would say that's a bare minimum for Rangers to be competing in the Europa League group stage. I know it's going to get harder and harder as, as the seasons go by, as, you know, as monies are distributed uh, differently and larger clubs from smaller countries tend to populate the Europa League group stages, so it's going to be more and more difficult. But if we've got any ambition to certainly keep uh, guys like Steven Gerrard on our books as a management team uh, and the, trying to attract a quality of player which will hopefully win his leagues going forward, then playing in Europe and that level's got to be a given. And I, I just... I, I hope that the, the lads can raise their game as they've done so far in Europe and, and hopefully get us past uh, Christmas and playing European football last time or in the early uh, months of next year. Sure, it's obviously big for the supporters as well, you know, yeah. back in that sort of environment again. Have you any advice how I break the news to my missus when the credit card bill comes through <laughs> for the three-match package? Well, 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 I could... Um, <laughs> For those travelling, I, I can recommend a, a, a fantastic restaurant in Porto um, that overlooks the, the Douro River, and you can look across to where the, the Sandman Port uh, warehouse is. <laughs> <laughs> where, all the, where all the waiters have different coloured jackets. It's like something, it's like I see it out of Sweeney in the 70s. Um, <laughs> it, but it's a fantastic place to go. No, listen, there's a bit of me that says, it would be great if Rangers did well and got to the knockout stages. Equally, there's a big chunk of me that says this is job done because you're actually you're actually being noticed by being in the group stages between September and December, which which again means that you're actually you may not be sitting at the the big table in terms of European football, but at least you've got actually a table in the restaurant, so to speak. You know what I mean? It's 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 one of these where you, you have to be there to be noticed, and it's much better. It's much better worrying, as you say, about your credit card bill going to pay for European ties than it is sitting in the house and watching other people doing it. So yeah. to, to that end, to that end, and for for Rangers fans especially, European football has played such a significant part in the history of, of Rangers since the mid-50s. And for them to be deprived of that for you know large chunks and large periods of time, it, this is almost like back to the good old days in some respects. It will be difficult. You know, uh, Porto, Feyenoord, young boys, these teams can play a bit and, and it will be difficult. And the away legs in particular will be difficult. But the fact of the matter is, Rangers have given themselves a, a really good chance. And just to pick up on what David said there, in terms of Stephen Gerrard's ambition, he will he will be approaching these matches every bit as intensely as he would be anything in the SPFL. Why? Because he knows that it's something else to put on his CV. And, and I'm not saying that that's because he, he wants to leave Vibrox um, immediately, but it looks good when you've qualified for the group stages of the Europa League two years in succession. That's better than saying, well, we didn't do anything last season and I just stayed in the house and, and watched uh, BT Sport. Yeah, aye. And, you know, I, I think I think we all know where Stevie G's aiming for, if you know what I mean. You know, I think his ambition is to one day go back to, to Liverpool and they've obviously got a proud uh, European history as well. So I don't think having... You know what he's done with Rangers on his CV would do him any damage in that respect either. David on the on the UEFA thing, uh, obviously last week there was the announcement that the club's facing a second sanction. So uh, there was a second charge last week about inappropriate chance. We're now going to have another. The Rangers have refused to take uh, tickets for the first away game 
in the group stages and we're now there'll be 3,000 empty seats at Ibrooks for the first home game against Feyenoord I, I'm I'm not going to sit here and try and defend some of the singing you know I, I, I think any reasonable Rangers supporter would hold their hands up and say that, you know it's time for all that sort of stuff to stop however the, the way this all came about the quickness of it it just seemed to be so swift and sudden the first charge sort of came out of the blue and the second one kind of came at a time when it felt like Rangers hadn't had really a chance to, you know, deal with the situation and try and improve the situation. It was just bang, there's another one. Uh, it, it just feels all about, I, I don't know. Uh, I, how do you feel about it yourself? Um, oh, a bit of a spot there. Um, <laughs> does, it sound like, does it sound like a concerted thing? Uh, quite possibly, Colin. I mean, the- well, I think I think we all know that fear are not even-handed in this, if you know what I mean. I think I, I think that we're fair are concerned that it would appear to be a witch hunt. I, I don't think that's that's paranoia coming in to things to say that. You know, I, I think any any balanced observer would would, would, would question why fear of, of you know um, something that I've been their bonnet about about Rangers as if you know they only seem to attend Rangers matches in Europe. Um, yeah, that kind of worms there, Colin. I think we, we could we could spend a, a significant amount of time discussing um, agendas and, and and how the club are trying to react to um, this in a very commas witch hunt. Um, now, correct me if I'm wrong here. I I believe that the, the chronology was the charge that they served. In the game against Legia was for um, St. Joe's against St. Joseph, right? So yeah. This this second one is for the first leg of the Legia tie. Is that correct? Uh, no, was it no? Michelin. Aye, I think it was Michelin. Okay, well, I've, I've, looking into it, I, I understand that the a journalist who will be known to Stuart, um, ran me a story as a freelancer during the week there with regards to the second leg of the Michelin game, that, or the Michelin tie that the Rangers were going to suffer a third Another charge. Another third charge, yeah. The story was retracted. Um, I don't believe that the the paper in question uh, issued a, an apology, but... No, they did. Uh, I hate to, I don't know, the dad, yeah, and so did the journalist in question. The, the journalist in question is Lindsay Hearn. No, I know I that. I don't even want to mention him. Um, uh, no, I, well, I mean, he's he's come out on his Twitter and apologised as well. I know Lindsay. I mean, uh, on a personal level, but I, I, I was, I mean, if, if, if my information's incorrect, I, I, I thought that the, the record issued a retraction. I don't, I don't believe they actually issued an apology. Apology, right, okay, uh, okay. Uh, maybe Stuart can chip in and, and correct me on that one. But um, regardless, it, it seems that there's a whole um, hornet's nest of you know UEFA delegation at, ma- at Rangers matches. Who are uh, who are these people? Um, do they represent fear? Who, who's who's picking them? And how can uh, the club find a rearguard action? Um, I'd like to think behind closed doors that the fear situation is being addressed. Um, if it doesn't bear any fruit um, behind closed doors, I would urge the club to go public on it. Um, but when you cut all that back, this, some of the behaviour of the fans is inexcusable. Um, I certainly don't condone it. I, I think a lot of the stuff that's crept in since we get promoted back into the Premier League, I'll not name the the names of the songs that, that are offending, but some of the stuff that's crept in recently is, um, it's, it's, it's certainly putting us as a club in a precarious position with regards to European football. Um, closing down stands does not in any way, shape or form help the club, help the team, help the players, help the management, help the fans enjoy it. So. The sooner we eradicate this, we we made a good start on Thursday night. The atmosphere, whilst muted, or muted rather, um, certainly after the, the, the polls set off their, uh, their choreographed flare display, the, the atmosphere was ramped up. The atmosphere today was slightly 
muted again, but it's going to take time. You know, as fans, as collectively speaking, um, it's going to take a bit of time, especially that the litmus test will be when we go away from home, I think. Uh, but yeah, I think I would like to think that the, the club management uh, at board level are looking into why we appear to be singled out. But we've got to get a house in order, Colin. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no two ways about this. We've got to be beyond reproach before we start pointing the fingers at other. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I said I said as much in, in in social media, you know, in the last week. You know, whether you believe fair or impartial or or not, forget the impartiality. If you if you do no wrong yourself, then and only then can you basically say um, to others they need to clean up their act and point the finger at the imbalance or the bias that you perceive um, is actually there. You know, I, I will say that there are certain people who are obviously being judgmental in this, obviously think that when they go across Europe, other fans are singing country and Western songs that, that they don't know the words to. Now, that that for me is naivety. And, you know, your your scrutiny should be far greater than, than just basically asking somebody, what are they singing? So... But again, Rangers are in a position where it's you know you, you what about it goes right out the window here. You cannot say, um, well, you know, UEFA and their adjudicators are being unfair. They are the judge and jury. They will decide on what they hear and what they see. And until such times as you can actually, you know, as a, an old boss of mine used to say, until such times as you're absolutely squeaky clean then there's nothing much you can do about it and and you, therefore you have to you have to clean up your your, your own act first and I, and I do worry you know and I, I make a point you know take up on the point that David's made there I think I think there, there, there is coming a, a point in time where the fact that Rangers have actually said we don't want tickets for the away leg is almost it, it, for me it's 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 almost a, a it's almost twofold one that Rangers don't want to bring any more problems upon themselves. And secondly, that Rangers are actually struggling to police their own fans or to to keep tabs on their own fans in away matches. Now, the last thing a great the great majority or the vast majority of Rangers fans want is to be banned from travelling abroad because the club will not sanction it. But that is where we're at just now. And you can bet your bottom dollar if anybody steps out of line in the next couple of matches, Rangers will be well within their rights to say our fans, our fans do not travel because we do not sell them tickets. Therefore, anybody that's in those ground has got nothing to do with Rangers. And at this point in time, that's probably the only way that Rangers can actually defend themselves. I, I mean, I, I, I think the... the... I've seen comments this week that are right, you know, as long as we paint this big target on ourselves, we're always going to be a target. You know what I mean? People are going to come for us and I think as, as you know, as un, that's the word I'm looking for here, as unfair as fair are, you know, they're, they're clearly not impartial as far as I'm concerned. Uh, at the end of the day, we're the ones creating a situation. I think a lot of Rangers supporters get frustrated that they hear stuff coming from other stands. You know, there was footage uh, at Celtic Park last week that was actually, the, the tannery system was playing uh, Beautiful Sunday and the whole of Celtic Park was rocking along it and adding in the, the you know, your VIRA add-ons and all that kind of stuff. You know, that wasn't picked up. There was footage on uh, Thursday night there of Celtic fans going, going in Sweden, walking down the main street, you know, singing about orange this and orange that. And I think that's where a lot of the frustration comes from. And and, and I think that's when a lot of fans say, well, if we're painting a target on ourselves and, and we're getting singled out, why are other clubs not getting the same sort of treatment? But ultimately, what it comes down to is, is, is what you two have said. We need to start, as a support, being a bit more clever in how we do things because... While the landscape is as it is, and we're the ones in the in the firing line, we have to be in a, a position where you know we're beyond reproach. The the, the, the right. effort and fear can't come at us at all. Rangers have had the Rangers have had the wherewithal to clamp down on this thing. They have done for a, a number of years. Going back to my days at the Mirror twenty years ago, um, 
a group of us covering the game against um, Hacker Vikingsborg um, in Finland were, for want of a better description, abused and face-to-face stuff. And it did start to get a bit naughty when people started putting their hands in, in their laptops and their lights. And at that point in time, it was, it was time to say, you know, you've had your fun, it goes no further. And at that point in time, it was Lawrence McIntyre um, who called me into iBrox one Friday afternoon and showed me a video and said, can you identify the person that was responsible? And was it him? And all I needed to say was, yes, that's who it was. And can I get a story for the front page of my newspaper on Monday morning? And I was given it because Rangers didn't want, didn't want anybody travelling with them. And that was 20 years ago. So at this moment in time, the problem is far greater to, to my mind than it was 20 years ago. And Rangers clamped down on it then. And, I, and again, I think that the club will take actions against certain individuals if this is going to continue, because all it's doing is 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 harming Rangers. And, and, and last point in this, when you have a manager who's actually being asked more questions about the sanctions being taken by UEFA than he is about the forthcoming match at the weekend and has to defend the club, not because of what he does in terms of picking the team or the players he's signed or how his team's performed, but defending or being asked questions about the fans that, that his club are responsible for that is not a good position to be in because at some point in time Steven Gerrard or any other manager might just say what am I doing this for this is not my job and there's bound to be an easier job somewhere else and if that's what Rangers fans ultimately want is to drive a manager to frustration first and then maybe even out the door then they're going the right way about it yeah, uh, again, can't disagree. But I'm conscious of time now. Uh, we've kind of run over the hour here, so uh, I think we'll call it time there. Uh, so a big thanks to Stuart and David for their comments uh, tonight on the Jersnet Weekly Podcast, the independent Rangers podcast made for fans by fans. Uh, next week, obviously, it's the international week. Winter is coming, I'm afraid. There's no, there's no football next week. <laughs> it's... It's the international break, so there'll be no show next week. We'll return on the Sunday, uh, 15th of September, to discuss the Livingston game, and we'll also have a look at the, the Firenood game, which is coming up uh, on the 19th. Uh, in the meantime, get yourself on to the Jersnet forums and website on www.jersnet.co.uk. Uh, and until the next time, thanks for now. <laughs>